Because He rose, I will rise. That's what I want to talk about today. I want you to turn to two passages of Scripture, Matthew 14 and John 13, all right? If you'll turn to Matthew 14 and then put a marker in John 13, we'll get there in a moment. I want to share something with you, and I'm going to relate it to a person in the Bible that I relate to a lot. And that is that when I was growing up, I had a disease that this person had also. And it wasn't a physical disease. Maybe you've heard of it. It was called foot-in-mouth disease. Have you heard of that disease? How many of you at some time in your life have had uh, bouts with that disease? Can I see your hand? Okay. The rest are liars. I had it so bad that when I was in the third grade, we had choir, and we were required to to go to choir. It wasn't an elective uh, at that time. The whole class went, and I am every choir teacher's nightmare. To use an old joke, I'm a jailhouse singer. I'm always behind a few bars looking for a key. But I also, whatever I do, I do loudly. And so... It was horrible, and at the end of the year, we had to do a a production, a performance, you know, and I remember now, looking back as an adult, I can understand now how this choir teacher felt, but she came to me before the performance, and she said, I have a special assignment for you. She said, do you happen to know what the upbeat is? And I said, yes, I know what the upbeat is. I'm a drummer. Now, let me explain the statement, I'm a drummer. I had had... One drum lesson. I didn't know what the upbeat was. I didn't know what the downbeat was. I definitely didn't know how to find it. So anyway, she said, well, I want you to play the tambourine during the performance. And I I remember so clearly now, I can just see what the dilemma she was in. I remember saying to her, so you want me to sing and play the tambourine? She said, no, no, don't sing. Just play the tambourine. Well, even though I didn't sing, I was still able to ruin the performance by the tambourine. So, I know what it is to open mouth, insert foot. I understand that. Matter of fact, I had it so bad, I I would change the name of the the disease to Bigfoot in Big Mouth. And there's a disciple that I relate to a lot. And this is point number one. Peter had Bigfoot in Big Mouth disease. Now, look at Matthew 14, verse 25. Now, in the fourth watch of the night, Jesus went to them, walking on the sea. You have to remember, this is the first time this has ever been done. They'd never seen this in a movie. This scared them. And when the disciples saw him walking on the sea, they were troubled, saying, It is a ghost. And they cried out for fear. But immediately Jesus spoke to them, saying, Be of good cheer. Now watch these three words. Remember them. It is I. It is I. Do not be afraid. And... Big Mouth answered him and said, Lord, if it is you. Now, I think about this time Jesus is thinking, didn't I? Yes, I I said, I told him it's me. Okay. If it's you, command me to come to you on the water. So he said, come. Now, I know this isn't in the text. But I'm just going to use my holy imagination today. I think this is the way Jesus said it. So he said, come. I think he did that a lot when he talked to Peter personally. (laughs) 
And when Peter had come down out of the boat, he walked on the water to go to Jesus. But when he saw the wind was boisterous, he was afraid, began to sink. You know the story. He cried out saying, Lord, save me. And immediately, that's good news for those of us with this disease, Jesus stretched out his hand and caught him and said, Oh, you of little faith, why did you doubt? And when they got in the boat, the wind ceased, and then those who were in the boat came and worshipped him, saying, Truly, you're the Son of God. Now, use your holy imagination. These are real people. Think about how this actually happened, all right? Here's what I think happened. Jesus comes walking, they're all afraid. He said, Guys, hey, 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 don't be afraid. It's me. It's me. And they all settled down. I think Peter did something like this. I'll handle this. Just watch. Lord, if it's you, then tell me to come out there too. There, that'll come. Excuse me? I think the disciples went like this. He said, come. (laughs) He said, come. Okay, okay, I heard the man. I heard the man. Don't push. Don't push. So he starts to get out of the boat, and when he puts his foot on the water, <laughs> it's solid. <laughs> and he gets out of the boat, starts walking. <laughs> you know. Jesus grabs him, picks him up, takes him to the boat, and then it says that they all came to Jesus. What it is is Peter is in one end of the boat. Jesus is in the other end of the boat, and all the disciples run up to Jesus, and they say, hey, that was really cool. You really are the Son of God. High five. And Peter's in the other end of the boat all by himself. Now, here's what a lot of us miss. Peter is the only one in the boat that's wet. He's the only one wet. And then Jesus says this to him, oh, you of little faith, why did you doubt? I don't think Jesus said it in a mean way, but that's still a correction. And people who have this disease tend to hear correction in the wrong way. So I'm wondering, you know Jesus didn't say this, I'm wondering if this is what Peter heard. You spiritual midget! If you hadn't doubted, you'd have been just fine. You don't have very much faith, do you, pal? And then I wonder if Peter said something like this, because I said this a whole lot growing up. I will never... Say another word. I'm never going to open my mouth again. I mean, at least I got out of the boat. No one else got out of the boat. I'm never going to say another word. You ever ever said that after you get rebuked? I'm never saying another word. Well, next chapter. Matthew 15. Jesus tells a parable. Verse 15. Then Peter answered and said to him, Explain this parable to us. Now watch this. So Jesus said, Are you also still without understanding? Why do you have to put the words also and still in there? I mean, it's kind of like, You mean you also? I mean, even you? After all this time, you still don't understand? Peter's probably thinking, Well, of course I understand. I was asking for them. I mean, I'm following you, Lord. I think again, he probably had that inside of him. I'm never talking again. I'm never going to say another word. You will never hear words out of Simon Peter's mouth again. Next chapter. Matthew 16, verse 13. When Jesus came in the region of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, saying, Who do men say that I, the Son of Man, am? 
So they said, some say John the Baptist, some Elijah and others, Jeremiah or one of the prophets. He said, but who do you say that I am? Simon Peter answered, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. Jesus answered and said to him, Blessed are you, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my Father who is in heaven. And I also say to you that you are Peter. That means a small stone. And on this rock, that word means a huge boulder. I will build my church. And the gates of Hades shall not prevail against it. And I'll give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven. All right. Let's, let's again use our holy imagination. Jesus is Teaching, and then he stops, and he's, he's trying to get them to have the revelation of who he really is, you know. So he says, okay, guys, I want to ask you something. Who am I? Who am I? And then, oh, oh, I know. Yeah, Nathaniel. Jeremiah. Now, think about this from Jesus' standpoint. He created Jeremiah. And he's thinking, Jeremiah? How can I be Jeremiah? I made Jeremiah. Okay, let's try this side of the room over here. Anyone over here want to guess who I am? Elijah. Elijah? Come on, guys. Who, who am I? And then I want to meet this guy. This guy, because I thought, he, he came up with an answer kind of like I used to do on tests in school. One of the prophets. <laughs> You're one of them. Anybody else want to try? And then this one. I also want to meet this guy. John the Baptist. Jesus thinking, weren't you there when John was standing beside me? I couldn't be John. We're, we've been alive at the same time. Jeremiah was closer. <laughs> okay. Guys, come on. Who am I? And Peter couldn't hold it anymore. He says, you're the Christ, the Son of the living God. You know what Jesus said? Flesh and blood didn't reveal that to you, but my Father who is in heaven. You know what I think Jesus was saying? This is a miracle. <laughs> this is a miracle, Peter, that you got the right answer. That's a miracle. Boys, you just witnessed a miracle. There's no way you could have come up with that on your own. And then he said, and you're a stone. Peter didn't get it then, but he got it later because he writes later in his book, 1 Peter, he writes, we're all living stones. But see, people who have this disease have a tendency when God speaks to, to all of us to kind of say, oh, that's for me. I'm special. I'm more important than the other people here. But he says, you're, you're one of my stones, Peter. But on the rock, on this huge boulder... That the Spirit of God reveals to you that I'm not just one of the prophets. I'm not just a good man. I'm the Son of God. On that rock is where I'm going to build my church. And people who get the revelation that I'm the Messiah, those are the ones that enter the church. And that's the only way you get in. And I'm going to give you keys to, to the heaven. So that's what he says. But I don't think Peter heard it that way. Personally, I think Peter heard it this way. I think while they were on their way to the next town, Jesus was walking with the other disciples up in front, maybe. Peter was maybe toward the back, and he's walking beside James, and he says something like this. If you hear, he said, I was the rock. I always kind of felt like the rock, personally. I'm glad, though, that he said it in front of other guys. I think it's important that the other guys know who I am and my position here in the group and all. And, and he's going to give me some keys. I'm pretty excited about that. 
I don't know what keys are because locks haven't been invented yet, but I'm going to get me some keys. <laughs> the reason that I think he got a little prideful is because what happens next. You still in Matthew 16? Look at verse 21. Matthew 16, 21. From that time... Jesus began to show his disciples that he must go to Jerusalem and suffer many things from the elders and chief priests and scribes and be killed and be raised a third day. Now, this is amazing what happens now. Then Peter took him aside and began to rebuke him. You've got to be feeling pretty good about yourself to rebuke Jesus, don't you? <laughs> Saying, far be it from you, Lord. This shall not happen to you. But he turned and said to Peter, Get behind me, Satan. You're an offense to me, for you're not mindful of the things of God, but the things of men. Now think about this. He's feeling good about himself. Jesus is talking to the disciples. Peter's kind of daydreaming about the keys and being the first pope, you know, and all that stuff. How important he is, you know. And Jesus says, okay, guys, listen, I'm going to Jerusalem. I'm going to be turned over to the chief priests and scribes. And he's telling them the gospel. And I'm going to be killed. And on the third day, and he, I don't know if he finished. And Jesus says, hey, whoa, 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 Peter, time out. Time out. Lord, come here. Excuse us a minute, God. Come, come here, Lord. Come here. This is not good Messiah talk. Now, I can handle it because I'm the rock. But you kind of discourage the boys when you talk like this. I don't want to help. And Jesus says to him, and I'm sure the other guys heard, Peter, you're like the devil. This is the devil, man. You get behind me, Satan. You're offending me right now. You know, you never think about the things of God. You're always thinking about this earth, you Satan worshiper. Now, I don't care how secure you are. That hurts. Would that hurt your feelings? To get called the devil? By Jesus. So I think again, Peter thought to himself, that's it, pal. I'm just trying to help you. You will never hear words uttered from these lips again. Next chapter. Matthew 17, verse 1. Now after six days, that's another miracle. Peter's gone six days without talking. Jesus took Peter, James, and John, his brother, led them up on a high mountain by themselves, and he was transfigured before them. His face shone like the sun, and his clothes became as white as the light. And behold, Moses and Elijah appeared to them, talking with him. Let's get this picture again. Jesus says, okay, guys, listen, I have a special assignment. Only I'm only going to take a few because it's very, very important what we're about to do. Uh, James, I want you to come with me. Uh, John, I want you to come. And uh, in the back, Peter. Peter, I want you to come. This is a special assignment, Peter. It's a special assignment. I, I need you to come, Peter. I think they're walking up the hill. And maybe Jesus is walking with John a little up in front. Peter's back there with James. He remembers I'm the rock. That's why he asked me to come on this special assignment. I'm going to forgive that whole devil thing. He's under a lot of stress. <laughs> Better keep my eyes open. The reason I say that is because of the next verse. Verse 4. Then Peter 
answered. Who asked him anything? No one asked Peter anything. Now think about this. How many of you have answered when you weren't asked? No one asked you, but you answered. See, the problem here is that if you have the, this foot-in-mouth disease, it's really a heart problem. It's really, if you want to really know, it's pride. Because you think what you have to say is more important than what other people have to say. And think about what's going on here. Jesus is transfigured before them. Not transformed, transfigured. I don't have time to go into a whole theological explanation of this. But Colossians says that all of the Godhead dwelt in his body. And he just lets a little bit of it out. And his face begins to shine like the sun. And his body begins to shine so much that the light shines through his clothes. And the glory of God is there. God is there, standing on this mountain. And Moses, that represents the law, and Elijah, that represents the prophets, show up and talk to him. When Jesus referred to the Scriptures, you remember how he referred to them? The law and the prophets. So listen to me, just to give you a little glimpse of what's happening. The depiction of the Old Testament is talking to the depiction of the New Testament. And this is an incredible moment. And Peter answers. Then Peter answered. And look what he said. This is even more stupid. Lord, it's good for me to be here. It's a good thing we're here. It didn't make a hill of beans that they were there. Matter of fact, you know the only reason they were there? The only reason. Because the Scripture says, let every word be established in the mouth of two, or three, in this case it would have been better if it had been two, <laughs> witnesses. It's the only reason he was there. Let, if, if you wish, we'll make three tabernacles, three church buildings, three denominations, one for you, one for Moses, one for Elijah. Now, the next few verses amuse me too. While he was still speaking... You know you shouldn't be talking when God interrupts you. God interrupted Peter. While he was still speaking, behold, a bright cloud overshadowed them, and suddenly God couldn't wait anymore. A voice came out of the cloud saying, This is my beloved Son, in whom I am well pleased. Hear Him. Now, God had said that statement one time before, but He added two words to this time. The time before, when Jesus was baptized, God said that statement from the clouds. This is my beloved Son, in whom I am well pleased. This time He says, hear Him. In other words, shut up, Peter! Please, for once in your mouth, be quiet. The world does not revolve around you. You are not the most important person on this mountain, Peter. Please shut up. Turn to John chapter 13. John records the washing of the disciples' feet. You ever heard that story? Think about this. What a holy, awesome event in time this was. The Creator takes a bowl and a towel, kneels down, and washes the creation's feet. One of the most holy moments to have ever happened in history. And one person... Talked during the ceremony. Anyone want to take a guess who it was? John 13, verse 3. Jesus, 
knowing that the Father had given all things into his hands, and that he'd come from God and was going to God, rose from supper and laid aside his garments, took a towel and girded himself. After that, he poured water into a basin and began to wash the disciples' feet and to wipe them with the towel with which he was girded. That's amazing to me that this phrase even had to be in the Bible. Then he came to Peter. You know something's going to happen. And Peter said to him, Lord, are you washing my feet? Seems like that's kind of obvious, doesn't it? Jesus answered and said to him, now this is another time when I think Jesus answered this way. I know it's not in the text, but I think this is what Jesus said. What I am doing, you do not understand now. But you will know after this. And I think he probably wanted to go on and say, if you'll be quiet. But Peter can't be quiet. Peter said to him, you shall never wash my feet. I think there's a little disgust now. Jesus answered, if I do not wash you, you have no part with me. Simon Peter then said, Lord, well, not my feet only, but also my hands and my head. (laughs) Shut up! (laughs) This is the same guy, when Jesus is talking to him, right before he goes to the cross, he says to him, now guys, listen to me. All of you, all of you are going to leave me tonight. You know why? Because the Bible says so. It's in the Scriptures, and he quotes the Scriptures. I will strike the shepherd, and the sheep will be scattered. All of you are going to leave? All of you. Jesus just said, all of you. One of them said, even if everybody denies you, I won't deny you. But he did, didn't he? Three times. So this guy's got this disease. Is that clear? Okay, let me show you something else, though, about him. Here's point number two. Satan recognized his potential. Satan recognized it. Let me show you one of the most amazing verses. I'll just read it to you. Luke 22, verse 31. And the Lord said, Simon, Simon, indeed Satan has asked for you that he may sift you as wheat. That, why? Why ask for dummy? Why ask for big mouth? Why not ask for the sons of thunder? That's what Jesus called them. James and John, they were called the sons of thunder. Why not ask for them? Why not ask for the disciple whom Jesus loved? Why not ask for that disciple? Why ask for the one who's always saying the wrong thing at the wrong time? You know what? You want to know why? Because Satan is a master at recognizing potential. And many of you here today are under tremendous attack of the enemy, and you've been under attack your whole life. And you want to know why? Because you have tremendous potential for the kingdom of God. That's why. Maybe you've never done anything great for God, but I'm telling you, Satan can see it in you. And he's been after you your whole life. Here's point three. Because he rose, Peter rose. In other words, because Jesus rose... Peter rose. Let me show you one more scripture. Mark chapter 16. This is when the angel is talking to the women that come to the tomb. Mark 16, verse 6. But he said to them, do not be alarmed. You seek Jesus of Nazareth who was crucified. He is risen. He is not here. See the place where they laid him. Now watch verse 7 carefully. But go, tell his disciples and Peter. That he's going before you in Galilee. You know why I think he said that? Because I think right before Jesus left the tomb, he said, he's walking away and he says, Oh, 
Uh, there are going to be some ladies here pretty quickly. I've got to get out of here. There are going to be some ladies here looking for me. And I need you to tell them to tell my disciples to go to Galilee to meet me. I told them, but as usual, the women will have to tell the men what to do. So ha- make sure you tell them to meet me in Galilee. And the angel says, yes, Lord, I'll do it. And then Jesus will start turns and, and he says, oh, wait, one more thing. I also want you to tell these ladies to make sure and tell Peter. Because, you see, Peter feels really bad right now because of what he did. And he needs to know that because I rose, he can rise. He needs to know that. He needs to know he's forgiven. So you make sure and you tell them, tell the disciples and Peter. Listen, Peter had this disease, but because of the resurrection... He was healed because of the power of the resurrected Christ. You want to know why? Do you know who it was that stood up on the day of Pentecost and preached and 3,000 people got saved? Peter. And the next day, 5,000 got saved. Do you know who performed the first miracle after the resurrection and healed the lame man? Peter. Do you know who raised the first dead person after the resurrection? Peter. Do you know who first preached the gospel to the Gentiles? Peter. Do you know who was called the pillar of the New Testament church? Peter. You want to know why? Because God took his greatest liability and made it his greatest asset. God took his weakness and made it his strength. You want me to sum up Easter in one word, sum up the resurrection for him in one word? Victory. That's what it means. No matter who you are, no matter how much you failed God, no matter where you are, you can have victory because he rose. Because He rose, we can rise. That's what Easter's all about.